Welcome to All Up In My Lady Business. I am your host, Mary Nisi. On this podcast, I'll explore the fine line between having it together and losing your shit. Here I share my journey as an entrepreneur, a mom, a wife, a DJ, and randomly a beekeeper. I have no shame and no filter except the ones I use on Instagram. My stories of resilience, a little structure, and a lot of resourcefulness can show you how to take those same things and live your life with your whole ass. Thanks for listening. On today's episode, I'm going to talk about finding your niche, your your target audience, how to figure out your business's customer, and why trying to serve everyone really serves no one, including yourself. So the philosophy I was raised on was that the customer is always right. But are they? Like It used to be a useful saying to apply to business, like whatever the problem the customer comes to you with, if they're not happy, the business is going to find the solution. And that is the function of the business. The solution might be a replacement or a refund. Maybe the manager comes over for someone to yell at. And if the customer wasn't right, all they really had was their group of friends to complain to or like a sternly worded letter to the editor of the local newspaper. But now they have a much larger forum, thanks internet, uh, where they can, you know, take you down, drag you on the internet loudly complain, tweet at you. My family owned a business. They owned a restaurant back in the day. And so we have the service industry in our blood. And bending over backwards for people and doing it all with a smile is my birthright. Like basically taking shit and smiling and making jokes while I did it. It was uh, like my career. Uh, Just the name of the company on my paycheck would change. This led to my business arc of yes, serving the client, but serving the right client. I was also, I was like raised to like never say no to an opportunity. You never know where the next paycheck is going to come from. Suffer through this job. They need you and they rely on you. They're going to reward you for your loyalty. Be grateful you have a place to go. This was like burned into my head. And this can lead to living your life in fear in this weird, sad place of lack. Not taking any chances, never putting yourself out there doesn't, you know, you, maybe you don't ask for raises or, you know, changes that might make your life easier. And it keeps you small and in dead end jobs where you aren't being appreciated. So this made me stay at jobs way longer past my sell by date. And it led to me being fired for more jobs than I have quit. And I usually would be let go for being like a rabble rouser, but really it was because I hate being micromanaged. I hate injustice and dumb policies for no reason. I was meant to be in charge, but I am a woman and I am a small woman. And I think that it was hard for people to see me as anything other than like spunky, funny Mary. I'm rarely taken seriously at face value. And most of these jobs I did were in service, which is something that I am really fucking great at because of my deep-seated desire to please people. And I love saying yes to people. I love dazzling them with thinking of everything before they even know they want it. When I waited tables, I loved remembering orders from the last time that they came. It was a gift I had. Like there was this one guy, Chad, when I worked at Wishbone, this restaurant, this Southern restaurant uh, here in Chicago. And like one time he ordered corn cakes and then I called him corn cakes. Every time he'd come up, like, hey, corn cakes, what are we going to have today? And he always got corn cakes. And I think it was because I remembered that one time he had corn cakes and like, (laughs) but you know, it was a thing we had. It was, uh, it was our thing. Anyway. When I started DJing, I was working for this pretty cool guy, Barry, and he showed me that it was okay to drill down to your target market and say there are things you don't do and make lines in the sand. He didn't want to do every single wedding that came. There were songs he didn't want to play, traditions he didn't want to do, 
And it was so liberating to me, the idea that the customer is not always right, that some people's terrible ideas and tastes can be someone else's problem, that I can just be good at a specific type of client, or at least what that client thinks they are. And he was also like the least micromanaging boss I ever had. He trusted me and everyone who worked with him to do the right thing. And the thing is, is that he made us very aware that it was his, his reputation that was on the line. Like if we mess something up, that was going to mess up his, you know, his life, his family's life. And I never had a boss like that that cultivated that kind of trust. And when I decided to go out on my own, I was grateful for that experience so I could bring that attitude to my own business. So I'm a music snob by my own definition. And the great thing about starting your own business is that you decide what your processes are. You set the standards. I took those ideas that you can niche down to who you want to work for and then put whatever veneer you want on there. I am like a fun-seeking, enthusiastic person who makes a lot of jokes and can be on the sassy side. And my website reflects that. I'm a woman who runs a company that employs mostly women DJs, which already makes me stand out. We have a song list on our website, and it's just a sample song list, and it has most of your popular classic wedding fare, your Dancing Queens, your Bruno Mars, your Science Seal Delivereds, but it also has a lot of Easter eggs kind of trapped in there, specifically on the cocktails and dinner suggestions, which is where my real magic is. Tucked in among Sinatra and John Legend is like Krongbin and Phoebe Bridgers and Salt. Non-music dorks will see bands they know and glaze past the stuff they don't know, and the music dorks will see that we got them. We also have a stale list on our website of songs that we don't want to play unless it's explicitly asked for. Like, I will play the YMCA if your grandma's going to write you out of the will if she doesn't hear it at your wedding. And I make it clear and I empower the DJs to say that if someone they're meeting with looks at that list and are like, what is a wedding without the Macarena and all the slides? That maybe they should shop around and see if there is someone else out there that can do all that. It is less that we are too cool to play those songs. Let me make that clear. We are not too cool to play those songs. But more that the DJs that play that stuff are trained to facilitate line dances and show you the moves and get on the mic and ham it up. And we just don't do that. Those DJs are consummate performers and they literally think of themselves and are the entertainment, quote unquote. My issue is that once you start going down the cheesy wedding song path, it's hard to get off of it. Like once they hear it's electric, memories are jogged and it's a slippery slope to the chicken dance. It's best to just avoid it altogether. The best thing I hear at the end of a wedding was, that was amazing, and I didn't even realize you were there. Like, I seamlessly made the whole night happen. Announcements were made. People followed them without incident. And then a raging dance party happened. It's not the Toast and Jam or even the Mary Nisi show. It was the client's show. And I was just there to make their dream come true and make them look like baller stars for, like, pulling it all together. For every business, if you have one, or if you do know of one, like, who is your client? What is their client? It can't be everyone and it can't be no one. It needs to be niche enough to work for you. And if you are good at it and you trust the process, you will never work with the wrong client again. That doesn't mean you won't have assholes. Asshole clients are hiding in plain sight everywhere. But at least you won't be doing things outside your scope of work and you will just hate the person you're doing it for. (laughs) I looked really hard at who is the Toast and Jam client. And we are not the DJ for everyone. We aren't a luxury brand. Well, we are insofar that you don't need to hire a professional DJ for your wedding. You can go to the courthouse and get married for the cost of a license. But if you're going to get married and you want a big reception, we are a DJ in your like mid to higher priced range. And we aren't the DJ for like a 
$500,000 wedding. And we don't really want to be. We don't do kids parties or dances. We've done a handful of mitzvahs and sweet 16s, but those are for, have been for people with like weird kids that don't want games and dancers and smokes and props. And I've had planners. I have had planners who have told me that, you know, your reputation is such with the wedding th- side of things that if you were to add like, if you sort of like appealing to the mitzvah circuit that I could be charging between ten dollars and $20,000 an event. And as tantalizing as that is, it just isn't what we do. I mean, I could show up and I could probably do a passable job and everyone would have a pretty fun time, but it wouldn't go the way that it typically goes. I just want like a 28-year-old that wants to hear Taylor Swift and Todd Rundgren during cocktails. And then like during dinner, they want Dua Lipa and Biggie Smalls and a rager will ensue that will live in the hearts and minds of their crew for years and years. Like that, Those are my people. The early days of Toast and Jam, I remember a suburban wedding magazine contacted me to advertise in Toast and Jam. And they were like, if you want to have more luxury brides, more fairy tale princess brides with endless budgets, you need to advertise here. Well, that's not our client. Like, I don't want to do luxury weddings. Luxury weddings come with like a different expectations. They feel like they kind of own you. Whereas like, I'd like to be a normally priced person so that people are hiring us because of our skills and not because they just bought us to be their you know, music um, minion for the next six hours. Anyway, I don't want the luxury princess brides because that isn't my brand. That's not our client. So the Toast and Jam client is a couple that understands that for them, music and a fun raging party is like the most important thing for their wedding. They want it to sound like their wedding, not a wedding. And, you know, they want their vendors to work closely with them to be more like a friend or they want their wedding to be like a group effort with their team working together to make it the best night of their lives. And that is what we do. A lot of people just want someone to show up, the DJ to choose the songs for all their elements, like the ceremony, if it's on site, the introductions, the cake cutting, and then get through the speeches and then play whatever the DJ wants with slides or an old time rock and roll as far as the eye can see. And usually the DJ has been assigned a couple weeks before the wedding. And as long as they show up, the client will feel like they got their money's worth. And this is a fine business model. And I am a combo of people pleasing and like too fucking controlling to be able to do that. When you let a client hire you that isn't your ideal client, that isn't your right client, it comes with more strings and more responsibilities, more stress and pressure. And it also does a potential disservice to your business and your brand, which in the end keeps you from your target client. If you don't know who your target client is, if you don't know who your target audience is, you you want to name them. Like, what do they do? How old are they? Where do they hang out? Did they go to college? What are they spending on their wedding? Who's paying for their wedding? How are they paying for it? How do they find you? If you outline this a bit more and dig deep and really figure out what you want to do and who you want to serve, I promise that the more specific you are, the more you will love working for them and the more business you will have because people work with companies that know how to talk to them. Outline this a bit, dig deep and really figure out like, who do you want to serve? Who do you want to hang out with? Who do you want to be getting your money from and do you, will you feel comfortable with that? Really be specific about it. And then, you know, then the other thing is that like, if you do get a, somebody who contacts you and you aren't the right client, have someone to send them to. Like, you know, be like, okay, I'm not the right person for you, but this company does a great job with it. So how do you structure your business to fit the client? I want to give some examples of what happens when you don't do this. And 
I hope that this is germane to both business owners and non-business owners, because this is something to consider, like when you are trying to hire somebody for a service and you're pushing back on things they don't want to do or they don't like to do or they don't know how to do. Um, so yeah, so it's just something to consider when you are, you know, for both business owners and, you know, the consumer that trying to force somebody to be what you want them to be, especially right now when people are spread so thin and there's not enough workers out there doing jobs, you really need to, you know, think about this when you are being demanding, demanding Karen's which I could refer to somebody as, but I won't because calling someone a Karen is sexist. So whenever I have not stood by my rules, it has come back to bite me. I am generally a hard ass about sticking to them, like very much so. Like initially, I it was by necessity, like not to sound braggy, but like in the early days, I was getting so many leads and managing so many DJs on top of my own personal clients. And I was doing all of this alone. So I had to have like a one-size-fit-all attitude towards pricing because there was no way I could keep track of who was charged what. If someone negotiated a lower rate because they only needed four hours of performance or they just asked for a discount for no reason, that means that we will have made less money for a night when it was highly likely that we would have been contacted by someone who would pay full price, no questions asked. Our inventory in our business is dates and DJs. And I, I can only do as many events on a night as DJs willing to work. And we are always on a wait list for most Saturdays during the high wedding season, which for us is like April through November. So it really isn't worth it to us to give discounts when I am fully confident that we will book it out at full rate. But the real reason I don't like to give discounts is because almost every time that I have given a discount, I have lived to regret it. It is a give an inch and take a mile kind of thing. Like if I give somebody $100 off because they only need five hours or they got me in a weak moment or they had really good manipulation skills and like they got me to give them a discount, they are already devaluing your service because they have that because like you've shown them that you also don't think you're worth what you charge. And that guy will have no problem asking for more. He's going to ask you to throw in more overtime. He's going to want three mics for his cousins to do some like medley of songs from like rent that they do at every wedding. And they'll ha- and he'll ask you to do it for free because you've already shown him that you are already shaky in your belief in your prices. And I promise you that you will not get tipped. There is absolutely no way. And we have a six hour minimum for our services on like for Friday through Sunday for a reason. Most weddings are six hours and it's usually more than less. Like usually we go over six hours than a wedding being less. You know, so we have a six hour minimum so that when people come in, it's like six hours, here you go. Most people are six hours, so it works. And then that way also like the DJs aren't mad that if they took in the luck of the draw, they get assigned a lead. It's only a four hour gig and we're only charging them for four hours and they make way less money than if they got a lead for six hours plus. They are angry. And I, and I get it. Like I have a team of DJs that I need to keep as happy as I can. And if everyone is paying the same amount, then there's no keeping track of who is charged what. And the DJs are all making the same amount of money. And it makes it easier for them to be able to anticipate, you know, people to afford things, et cetera. But when you are also like, you know, giving this person a deal and knocking this off and throwing this in, it makes it much more likely that you can make a mistake when you are talking to them and you wind up having to give more discounts to cover up for your sloppiness to buy their silence. Like not just setting and sticking by your price can have unforeseen consequences and financial ramifications and, you know, can damage your reputation. So we have a a sample song list on our website and it is not comprehensive. It just is a tool that we have to be like, okay, 
Here is a list of the greatest hits of the last, you know, 50 years of music. You know, it has like one song by each artist. So you can assume that if we've got one Madonna song, we've got all Madonna songs. And it has a list of stuff that we don't really want to play, like the cheesy stuff. And it has a list of cocktail and dinner suggestions. And, you know, what we want you to do is just circle things on here, write extra things in too, give us like 10 must plays and your special songs, and we will come and melt your face off on the dance floor. And we will get people who will sometimes ask, they'll be like, okay, I saw that list. That's great. Can I just give you a different list of songs? And you can only play songs off that list. And we say, sorry, that is a jukebox. That's not what we do. You might as well just get an iPod at that point. And I get it. Like, first of all, I get it. Like, I see you. You have burned by other DJs where you've gone to weddings, where they've had terrible DJs that like either went off on like an EDM tangent, dreamscape nightmare, or they played a bunch of dirty songs that made your grandma clutch your pearls. And you want to control for that. And I think you also think you know your family and friends better than some stranger that you are hiring for your wedding. And that you know exactly what's going to slay on the dance floor. But I'm here to tell you that you don't. Uh, there are a, uh, a lot of DJs that would kill for the opportunity to get a list of songs from the client and play them in that order. And if it doesn't work, well, they did exactly what the client wanted. So it isn't th- their fault that it sucked. And there are also DJs that have like a set and it's what they play and they have this formula for a dance floor and they might be able to like change out you know, songs here and there, but like they do what they do and they know what they know. And if the client wants to customize it at all, it's like no dice. I know what it works on the dance floor and your weird LCD sound system song isn't going to work because I don't know that song. So let me worry about the music. And this is a set that probably does work like 80% of the time. And if it doesn't, it's, it isn't their fault. Your friends and family are just lame. And like, and I get it. Cause like I could play uptown funk 20 times in a row and it's going to slay. And then there's that 21st time where like nobody cares about uptown funk. And it's like, all right, I don't, I don't know what I did there, but for whatever reason, it didn't, it didn't work. And I can kind of find a way to like blame the group, but really it's just sometimes things hit and sometimes they don't. But here's the thing is that like both of these ways are fine. Like either, you know, just playing exactly what the client thinks they want and or, I know better than you. Both of those ways are fine. If that's how you position yourself, you know, it's, it's, you know, we will do whatever you ask. The customer is always right. Or my way or the highway, I'm the expert. Like those are both totally fine ways to operate. But there's a third way, which is work with the client to come up with songs that are their personal faves and reflect their taste and then live mix the whole thing and read the floor. It has a 99% success rate (laughs) and you can get away with all kinds of music late in the night when everyone is drunk and happy. And the older folks have probably pieced out by this point. Like I once did a wedding where I played Gigi Allen like super late in the night and everyone like lost their minds. But that was after I'd already been serving these people correctly all night long. So they were on the ride with me. And obviously the client requested Gigi Allen. I didn't just throw that in on my own accord. But I remember thinking to myself, how is this going to work? Like, I don't know how I'm going to work Gigi Allen into this. Like, but then I did. I like (laughs) figured out how to get there and and it's slayed. So all of these are examples of like, you know, like my code of ethics, like what's important to me. And that isn't to say that I'm thoroughly inflexible. I feel like my way is actually a bit more malleable than like, you know, my way or the highway. So we had a client once who showed up at the final meeting before their wedding with a book of CDs that wound up being like over 24 hours worth of music for a six-hour wedding. And she had like a three-page list of do not plays, but with no indication of like 
what within her 24 hours worth of music was like a must play or even like stuff that she preferred. It was just like 24 hours worth of music. And the music that she provided was kind of obscure. There was a lot of remixes, and but nestled in there were like enough stuff that the DJs were able to kind of cherry pick out and play, you know, stuff that worked. Like to give you an idea, like during the wedding, the mother of, bri- of the bride came over to request a song that wasn't on any of the lists. And they were like, oh no, what do we do? So they went over to the client and said, like asked if it was okay to play it. And she was like, okay, but don't play this other song because sh- she only gets one request. And that was a song that she requested before the wedding. And then her new husband came over and requested a song that was on the do not playlist. And again, they were like, what do we do? So they went over to the bride and they were like, um, your new husband just requested this song. And she goes, no, you can't play it. Like denied her husband. So this is like who we're working with here. And at the end of the wedding, like she gave them a tip and they were like, okay, great. We did it. You know, like this was completely different from how we normally work, but we managed to pull it off. And then the next day I get an email that says that, you know, she, that she was furious. They didn't play anything she wanted and it wasn't right. And she wanted her money back. Like she should be off at brunch or like on a plane to her honeymoon or like in bone town with her new husband. Maybe he was holding out on her because she denied him. Baby got back at his wedding. But uh, anyway, she instead, she's firing off angry missives to the DJ because they didn't play enough like Depeche Mode 12 minute long, like remixes of maxi singles. I was like, we did exactly what you asked us to do, which was different than when we normally op- how we normally operate. And we told you that. And she went ballistic and wrote like a million bad reviews and then filed a complaint with the BBB, aka Yelp for old people. Then I replied to it with like a litany of evidence that we did everything right and she's just mad that her wedding is over and she's the same person that she was before it happened. They ruled actually in my favor and then they asked me to join the BBB, which, you know, jokes on her. So the point of all of this is that we allowed the client to drag us into doing things we don't do. And it was stressful before because the DJs knew this wasn't going to go well because they were asked to operate outside of how they normally work. And then I was dealing with her harassment for weeks after her wedding and eventually had to retain my lawyer. Like it basically, if I just would have given her her money back, this all would have died. But this was like a hill I was willing to die on. Like I was not going to give her her money back. And it was like, we didn't do, we did nothing wrong. Like we did everything right in that moment. And she somehow found a way to be mad at us. And you know, so I want to pertain to my lawyer to make a new clause in our contract that basically says that other than the first dance intros and parent dances, we can't be held liable for playing or not playing any song during the wedding. I mean, I once had a client email me the day after their wedding to complain that the DJ had played Beat It by Michael Jackson at their wedding because they interpreted the song as dirty. And I'm like, okay, that was a number one hit. And while maybe it was a secretly dirty song, as far as I know, that song is about a bunch of dudes fighting with their hands tied together in a parking garage and gave Eddie Van Halen a royalty check. So I don't really feel like that's like a dirty song. But that said, this was before the documentary that made it so that Michael Jackson became an artist that I will no longer play. So that wasn't the reason, even if it should have been. Anyway, I hope that gives you a peek behind the curtain of what a service does to make sure that you are the right client and that we can provide awesome customer service. It is okay to say no. It's actually better for your business and will make you more successful in the long run. Like your money and time is valuable. So if you are in a business and you keep having problem clients, or if you are getting bad reviews, or if you are find yourself doing a bunch of stuff that you don't really like or don't really want to do, maybe it's, it's your client not your business. Just know your client, figure out who you want to work for, and fuck the rest. So, 
So now let's talk about the whole assiness of the last week. I don't know if it's just the SADS, the seasonal affective disorder or what, but I have been down in the dumps lately. There's just been a lot of like chaos and disorder in my world. And yesterday I got out of work and I went home and I grabbed my secret drug box and (laughs) I went on my back porch and I got really stoned. I'm not going to lie. I got really high. It's legal. I got high. My friend Doug had given me this weird weed offshoot product that I think he you only get in medicinal situations. And I don't really don't know what it was, but it was like a ball wrapped in a piece of paper inside of a jar that he said I, I needed to keep in the freezer. Anyway, that's the only thing we had in the house. So I was like, I guess I'll just give this a go. And I got very high, like accidentally remarkably stoned and uh some of the i had told some of the moms in my group like that we 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 hatched this plan to go to the monster jam this monster truck rally this weekend i don't even know who i am anymore anyway so i was like hey guys i'll buy tickets for everybody so then i try to like buy i try to go on to the monster truck rally website to buy the tickets and I'm clicking around and I didn't really, qu- and it was like tickets were $25. And I, I clicked on this one and I actually only bought one of them. Like I, I meant to buy eight. I only bought one and I bought it in like the $30 area as opposed to the $25 area. And so when I go and look at the receipt and I only bought one ticket and it was like over $50 with the fees and I'm like, what is going on here? So then I kind of like did some jumping jacks to like clear my head and then. I found a a chunk of tickets together, but then I could only get eight tickets and we needed 12. It was like such a mess. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I tried to do some self-care. I tried to have some merry time and buy some tickets to the monster truck rally. And I kind of messed it up. But, you know, what did I do with my whole ass? I got a little too stoned and bought some tickets to a monster truck rally. And I don't know. Is it going to be fun? Who knows? But yeah, monster truck rally. I will probably have to get high before I go to that too. All Up In Your Lady Business is written by me, Mary Nisi, produced by Christina Soren-Williams and Amelia Ruby with Softer Sounds. It is recorded in the Toast and Jam offices in Logan Square, Chicago, Illinois. Thanks for listening to All Up In My Lady Business. I have been your host, Mary Nisi. You can find resources and links from this episode in the show notes at allupinmyladybusiness.com. If you enjoyed this episode, smash that subscribe button and follow us on all your socials. And don't forget, whatever you do this week, do it with your whole ass.